Hi, this is John with Prodigal Church. We're so glad that you've downloaded this week's message. Our online ministry has enabled people from all over the world to access our weekly teachings. We're so grateful for you, whoever you are and wherever you are. For all things Prodigal, download the Prodigal app at your app store. And if you consider Prodigal Church your home, would you consider donating monthly at our website, prodigalchurchfresno.com. Thanks again for listening online. Now let's dive right into this week's teaching. Before we dive in, I want to reiterate a couple of things. This week's small group start, they are an awesome opportunity to grow in your love of God and for others. Also on March 20th, we have a women's event that's supporting the Pregnancy Care Center. And so we are looking for donations. And so you can find a list of the donations that we need um, on our Prodigal app or on our website, and you can bring them on Sunday mornings. Uh, thank you so much for that. And then next week, we start a brand new series. We've been in this one for eight weeks now. And next week, we start a brand new one that will lead us into Easter. It's called Jesus in 3D, and it is going to be a blast. We can't wait. This has been a great series. It's really been so practical. Um, and we all have the desire to stay fresh, to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And before we get into the final fruit together, here are just three things, um, three ways that we can bear the kind of fruit that we desire. Uh, number one is this, stay connected to the vine. John 15 says this, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. We are the branches. Jesus is the vine. Fruit is all about the root. Okay, you can't bear the kind of fruit that you desire, uh, that you're longing for in your life without Jesus. You've tried, I've tried. The word remain here is also often translated as abide. And abide, it's to stay in one place for a long time. Uh, we abide in Jesus. The definition means to, to stay through the struggle. Winemakers know that the best wine comes from grapes that endure the struggle. So we cling to Jesus in the midst of struggle. We stay in that place. We cling to Jesus and will bear fruit. Number two, pruning is painful, but pruning is necessary. John 15, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Notice that the gardener, the, the farmer, is never closer to the vine, taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when he is pruning it. He is up close, he is personal, he is near, he's concerned. So in your life right now, uh, you may feel like you're, you're in a pruning season. The gardener is close to you. Jesus is near and he is concerned with you. These moments in our lives where God seems so very distant because we're in pain, these are the very moments where he is closest to us, attentive to us. The Greek word here for pruning is similar to the Greek word for cleaning. Now, I'm not saying that, that God causes bad things to happen in our lives, no. I'm saying that even in the midst of the bad times, in the bad moments, God wants to make you better. God can use those to prune you, to make you better. In the middle of these painful times, we want God to often do a removing project, and he wants to do an improving project. 
We want God to remove the pain, remove the clippers. I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. Take it all away. And God, the great farmer, is trying to get us to produce more fruit. He's not causing the pain, but he will use that pain to produce goodness in you, more love in you. We want God to do a removing project. He wants to do an improving project. Number three, we need others in order for us to bear fruit. One of the things that I researched throughout this series was actual fruit, okay? And I learned about something called cross-pollination. Now, we intentionally chose apples for this part two of Fresh for our logo, but nearly all apple varieties need to be cross-pollinated from flowers of a different kind of apple, a different kind of apple variety. Cross-pollination between apple trees is crucial to achieving good fruit. While some fruiting trees are self-fruitful or self-pollinating, apple trees require a variety of apples. If you plant only one kind of apple tree in an orchard, you will not reap the kind of harvest that you desire. To have a great harvest, you must have a variety, a diversity of trees around it. Now, how do you get each of the different kinds of apple trees to cross-pollinate? Bees. You ever driven past an orchard and you saw these white crates full of bees? Uh, yeah, the, the farmer needs bees so that the apple trees can glean from the different kinds of trees. You see where I'm going with this, right? We need diversity in our orchards. Uh, that's one of the reasons why small groups are so important, and I really believe this. For us to bear the kind of fruit that Jesus wants us to bear, we need to be around people that are different than we are. Some of us only hang around people who think like us, who look like us, who live just like us. And we are missing out. We're the ones missing out. We need to hear other voices, other stories, different backgrounds. Diversity makes us better. I think it's important that as we reach the end of this sermon series, to, to bear fruit, that we must stay connected to Jesus, who is the vine. That we must learn that pruning is painful, but it's purposeful. And that we need each other if we are to bear the smorgasbord of fruit that Jesus has called us to bear. And now, on to faithfulness. The Greek word is pistis. It means to be trustworthy or truthful, reliable, confident, loyal. It, it, as a noun in the New Testament, it's, 200, it's mentioned 243 times. Uh, as a verb, 241 times, almost 500 times. Faithfulness, the root of it, is persuasion. The literal definition of, of faithfulness is the word persuasion. Uh, faithfulness doesn't just mean consistency, doesn't mean just showing up on time, doing what you said you would, staying steadfast. It, it, it does mean that, but it doesn't only mean that. There's a deeper reality to faithfulness when it's mentioned in the scriptures. And it is about what you are persuaded about. We are persuaded of something. We're convinced of something about God. And then that outworking, that, the outworking of that persuasion is that we then become promise keepers. People who can be relied upon. We become constant in our devotion and in our faithfulness to Jesus. Persuasion and faithfulness are inextricably linked, even in the, their own definition. Uh, 
we become constant in our faithful to Jesus, not because we're people who just know to do the right things, but because we're people who have had our hearts persuaded by the love of God, by the person of Jesus and who he's made us to be. Today, we'll look at a famous parable told by Jesus in Matthew chapter 25. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold, to another, two bags, and to another, one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. That phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. Good and persuaded servant. An entire sermon series could be done on this parable and it still wouldn't be enough, but I'll just draw our attention to a few things. Um, don't get caught up in what other people have been entrusted with. For some of us, that's exactly what we need to hear today. Don't get caught up in what other people have been entrusted with. Some have five, some have two, some have ten. That's not your business. Your business is to be faithful with what God has given you, what he has entrusted to your care. When you turn your focus to what everyone else has, you begin to despise what you do have. The devil wants you to lose that which he cannot steal from you. Because if he can get you to despise it, then he doesn't need to steal it. You've already done that part for him. He wants you to despise the one bag saying, oh, well, this is nothing. What am I going to do with this? Okay, I'm just going to bury it. The devil doesn't have the authority to take away this gift that God has given you. But if he can steal your joy, if he can influence your envy, then you'll discard the very gift God has given you and you'll bury what was meant to be multiplied. There's absolutely nothing in this parable about comparison. The master never says to the servant with five, you are just so valuable. You are worth more. No, he celebrates the two as much as he celebrates the five. 
It is the enemy, not God, that loves to sow seeds of comparison. God gives, but it is up to us to receive. See, the one who hit his talent, he says, well, have what's yours. There's, there's no responsibility there. He never actually received the gift. The one who hit his bag is seeing what has been entrusted him through this loophole of responsibility. Well, it's not mine anyway, so I'm not responsible for this. It's all on his shoulders, so I'm not going to do anything at all. We know people like this. We are often people like this, always blaming others for whatever lack is in front of us. Someone else is going to pick up the tab. It's not on me. But rather, when we are persuaded by the goodness of God, we recognize that he gave this to me. He entrusted it to me. It's a question of stewardship. How can I grow that which has been entrusted to me? And notice the persuasion here. The one who hid his talent, or hid his bag of gold, uh, has a false view of God. Verse 24, the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man. The Greek word here is, is skleros. It means harsh, stern, rough, severe. But that's not what we read in the story. In the parable, we don't find a hard man, a harsh man. We find the master who is generous and seems to always be giving. We don't find someone to fear. We find someone to love. The third servant had an incorrect idea of the master. He was persuaded in the opposite direction. He thought he was mean and harsh. And the fruit of that persuasion was fear. So he says, so I was afraid. And it was paralysis. So I hid what you gave me. And if you have the wrong persuasion about God, it will lead to fear and paralysis. That persuasion, that persuasion will never lead to faithfulness. In the parable, faithfulness was the servants using what God had given them, using them well and using them wisely. The question is, what will you do with all that God has entrusted to you? Will you use it for the kingdom of God and let it multiply? Or will you lose it in envy of what has been entrusted to someone else? In this parable, we discover that what we think about God becomes the most important thing about us. About the kind of fruit we bear, about the kind of people we become. Because if we are persuaded that God is kind, if we are persuaded that God is good, if we are persuaded that even in the little, God is delighted, if we are persuaded that he's generous and that he has entrusted to us something good, then we will be faithful. And I want to be faithful. I want to be faithful. And part of being faithful means that we, we need to walk the orchards of our lives and look back at God's faithfulness to us. We don't just move on. No, no, we remember the blessings. Remember that God brought us through that, that, that God was with us in the midst of it, that we are better because of it. We need to walk the orchards of our lives and remember the goodness and faithfulness of God. And as your pastor, I too must remember the faithfulness of Jesus here at Prodigal Church. So allow me to walk this orchard just for a moment. I'm grateful for the older saints in our congregation. Now, I know it's risky to refer to people as old. Uh, in our culture, that's, that's faux pas. 
but in the church, it should be a compliment. Being an older saint is a good, commendable thing. And I'm so grateful for the older saints in our church who have been serving Jesus for decades, giving their life to him. And if that's you, you are a blessing. You are a gift. You are an example of what it looks like to be faithful to Jesus. Hold fast to the confession of our faith with perseverance. The Lord is using you to strengthen our church, and I'm just so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for you. I'm also grateful for those who have been a part of this particular church, Prodigal Church, uh, since we started. Prodigal is four years old, and we've had some good times, and we have had an incredible four years. We have lots of people come to our church. We've had lots of people leave our church. We've also had lots of people stay at our church, and I'm grateful for you. You've stayed. Many of you have been here since the beginning. You were here when we met in someone's backyard on a 110-degree hot August afternoon in 2017. You were here that first Sunday when so many of us prayed together in the children's room uh, before our first service. You were here when the stage that we use at Bullard was checkered. I'm so grateful for you in your faithfulness year in and year out, even in the midst of these last two years in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, we are the beneficiaries of your faithfulness these first four years in our church, and we're so grateful for you. I'm grateful for so many of you that serve here at Prodigal so regularly, so faithfully. You continue to serve without seeking any kind of recognition. You just serve faithfully week in, week out. Set up, tear down, play in base, serving in kids, uh, running hospitality, greeting. We need you. We're so thankful for you. You just love Jesus and you love this church. And there are so many examples of amazing people who so faithfully serve Prodigal Church. And so many who give so faithfully to Prodigal Church. We don't talk a lot about giving here because we know that many people have a religious allergy when the church starts to talk about money. But the truth is, we don't have a church if people don't faithfully give. We can't send money to ministries in Southeastern Africa if there's no money to send. We can't rent the building at Bullard. We can't pay our staff if it wasn't for so many of you who give so faithfully. And because even I have a religious allergy about talking about money, I don't do a good job of celebrating the beautiful generosity of so many of you. So thank you for your regular giving. Thank you to so many who have automated their giving and just made it regular, made it a regular part of your life and your finances. That helps us so much to continue the ministry here at Prodigal Church and to grow the ministry here at Prodigal. So thank you. We may never see you on, on stage or, or with a microphone in your hand, but you are prodigal and you are making an impact here and across the world. Thank you for being faithful. Tim Hansel, in his book, Holy Sweat, tells the beautiful story of Clarence Jordan. Clarence Jordan was a man of unusual abilities and commitment. He earned two PhDs, one in agriculture and the other in biblical languages. His talent and skill could have been used for many profitable pursuits, but he and his wife Florence decided to help poor people in Georgia, both black and white. And so in 1942, in, in the height of segregation, they founded Koinonia Farm in Americus, Georgia. 
And now, his idea didn't resonate well with people in the Deep South. Segregation was a way of life. And ironically, the resistance came mostly from church people. They tried everything to discourage Clarence Jordan, boycotting him to slashing his workers' tires when they came into town. And then finally, in 1954, the Ku Klux Klan had enough of Clarence Jordan. One night, they came with guns and torches and set fire to every building on the farm, except Jordan's home, which they riddled with bullets. They chased off every family except one black family that refused to leave. Now, the next day, the local newspaper reporter, who had participated in the raid the night before, but he was under the cover of a white sheet, he came out to see what remained of the farm. And amid the smoldering rubble, he amazingly found Clarence Jordan working the field. He said, I heard the awful news. I came out to do a story on the tragedy of your farm closing. Clarence just kept hoeing and planting. And the reporter kept prodding, kept poking, trying to get a rise from this quietly determined man who seemed to be planting seeds. So finally the reporter said in a haughty voice, well, Dr. Jordan, you've got two PhDs. You've put 14 years into this farm and there's nothing left at all. Just how successful do you think you've been? And Clarence Jordan, with his piercing blue eyes, stopped what he was doing, stared at the reporter, and he says, we've been about as, as successful as the cross. He said, sir, I don't think you understand us. What we are about is not success. What we are about is faithfulness. We're staying. Have a nice day. What we're about is not success. It's faithfulness. Is your life driven by the quest for success or is it driven by the quest for faithfulness? Are you willing to be courageous in standing up for what's right? Koinonia Farms is still active in Georgia and actually Habitat for Humanity stemmed from Koinonia Farms. Clarence Jordan died in 1969. And perhaps the first words he heard from his Savior Jesus was, Well done, good and faithful servant. This has officially been the longest series in the history of Prodigal Church. Congratulations, you made it. Fresh 2022. And as we have looked at the fruits of the Spirit these past eight weeks, have you noticed that Jesus perfectly embodies every fruit? that the fruit of the Spirit describes our God. He is the God of outrageous love. He is the God of ridiculous joy. He is the God of incredible patience. He is the God of constant kindness. He's good. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. He's gentle God. He never loses control. He's faithful. He's faithful to me. He's faithful to you. And so if you have not encountered this God, if, then you haven't encountered the real God. You haven't encountered Jesus of Nazareth because Jesus bears all these fruits. No one has more love than Jesus. No one has more joy than Jesus. No one has more peace. No one has more patience. No one has more kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control than our God. That's who we follow. And he imparts in us his spirit so that we too can bear fruit. Will you stay connected to the vine?
will you pursue success or faithfulness? God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would help us to live a life worthy of the calling we have received. Thank you, God, that you demonstrate these fruit. Help us to demonstrate them in our lives as we cling to you, the vine. We need you, Jesus. Help us to trust you in the midst of the pruning process. Help us to learn from others. God, help us not to envy what has been entrusted elsewhere, but to cherish and to multiply the gifts you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us online at Prodigal Church Fresno. Next week, we begin a brand new sermon series called Jesus in 3D. We've got lots of practical um, aspects that are going to be really helpful and transformative leading up to Resurrection Sunday on April 17th. We can't wait. We pray God's peace and blessings upon you. Peace in Ukraine.